And so I ask and we ask you, Father, would you teach us today about your fatherhood? Would you change our lives in light of this truth? Would you transform us for our good, for your glory, for the blessing of the nations as well, Lord? We ask, Lord, through the preaching of your word, and we just thank you, Father, that you've sent the Son, that we're covered in the blood and righteousness of Christ, and you receive us as full sons and daughters. So our confidence is in you to come and minister in this time. Lord, I need you, we need you, and we thank you that you're our Father. So come and glorify your name, we pray. Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's just look at this short section, the the Lord's Prayer, as we call it. I'll read starting in verse 9. Jesus is instructing His disciples how to pray. They have asked Him, and He instructs them by saying, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew 6, 9-13, the Lord's Prayer. Certainly this particular passage is about how to pray. That's the the thrust, that's the goal here, and we could spend a lot of time talking about that. But what I want to do is I want to talk about how this passage and many other passages teach us about uh, the fatherhood of God. How we learn about the fatherhood of God from this passage and from the whole Scripture. This, this passage is not a complete, comprehensive passage on the fatherhood of God, but it is a profound one. And I believe from these five verses we can get a picture of the fatherhood of God. I think from this section, as well as the whole Scripture, there are three things that we learn about the fatherhood of God. Three things that that define the fatherhood of God. First, the fatherhood of God means that He is the source and provider of all things. The fatherhood of God means He's the source and provider of all things. Second, the fatherhood of God means He's the ruler or overseer of all things. And third, the fatherhood of God means that he is a person who desires and pursues relationship. So to sum it up in something that hopefully is memorable, the fatherhood of God is provision, oversight, and personal miss. And if you can pay for the corny acronym P-O-P, spells POP, a word for dad. So we want to talk about The fatherhood of God using pop as a way to remember this. So the first P, provider. We will learn that God as Father is a provider. He is the source of all things. He is, in the Bible, associated with being the source of family. Earthly fathers are a source of a family and provider for a family. And that notion flows from God's fatherhood. Ephesians 3.15 says He's the Father of whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And if you follow through the Lord's prayer, part of what is going on is we are addressing Him as our Father, then asking Him for provision. 
So give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Just about half of this, the latter half, is praying to our Father as provider. God, would you provide daily bread? Lord, would you provide forgiveness? Would you provide protection from sin and evil within me? Keep me from temptation and outside of me. Deliver us from the evil one. So to know God as the Father is to know Him as the provider. He's the provider of all things. He is the provider of all things. He is the ultimate Father. And that all things come from His hand. 1 Corinthians 8.6 I don't know if we have that on the overhead. It says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. God is Creator. He's the originator. He's the source of everything that is. He's the provider of everything that is. Every single thing, including you. He is the reason you are here. He is the reason you exist. He provided your life. And He provides for your life. You are entirely and consistently dependent on the Father to provide for you. He is the source of everything. And His provision is very, very, very rich. It's extravagant. He is not just a a paltry provider just giving you a little bit here and there. He is a generous and and ever-diligent provider providing all things for you. Every good gift comes from Him. Every single thing we enjoy comes from Him. Sadly, we are often like spoiled children. I know I am. And I can take His rich provision, which is all around me, for granted. I can be a spoiled child like Baruch Salt from Willy Wonka. We have a, a, an ongoing uh, joke, I guess it is, in our family whenever somebody, adults included, wants something and they're, they're being kind of greedy and impatient with it, we say, Daddy, I want an Oompa Loompa and I want it now. Remember that part, Baruch Salt? And often we're like Baruch Salt. We just don't realize He has been so good to us. And He provides. He's provided our life. He provides everything around us. Food, clothing, shelter, friends, jobs. On and on. And we can become spoiled. But He has been so rich. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad for the times, those moments of, of revelation, I think, where God reminds us just of His rich provision, how faithful He is, how much He provides. Uh, take food, for example. His provision of food. Actually, let's just focus it in on, on not just food in general. Let's just take a look at one particular type of food and God's rich provision. I was just thinking about this yesterday. Coffee. That's one little narrow aspect of his provision. But coffee is, is so rich in blessing. Think of it, these brown beans. And you grind them up and they smell so good. They're not gray beans, right? They're not gray. They're, and, and when you grind them up, they don't smell bad. They smell good and, and rich. 
God's provided this plant that grows in the tropics and they didn't really discover it to the medieval ages and it came through the Africans and the Arabs to the Spanish and the Italians actually to Venice and then it came over to us eventually in the, in the Revolutionary War period and we get to enjoy coffee and it's this wonderful bush that grows in these tropic climates and, and it has these red berries that come out and they harvest the red berries and there's beauty just in the, the plant and in the, the seeds of the berry is the, the seeds and they're green when they come out by the way and then they roast them they treat them and they turn brown. And then you go to the store and you buy them and you, and you put them in your little grinder thing and you grind them up and they smell so good. And then you cook them and you drink it and, and, and it tastes great. At least for me, I love coffee. You can tell, I guess. <laughs> and it's got all those antioxidants in it and it helps you wake up in the morning. And I love, uh, I love when we remember to set it up the night before so when you wake up in the morning, it's brewing already and you smell it. Um, yeah, you guys are probably concerned for me at this point. <laughs> but that's just this little brown bean. That's just one little narrow aspect. God is so richly generous as a father that he loves to give little brown beans that grow in red berries and Africa and South America for us to enjoy. And so multiply that little being by billions and billions and billions of things that God every day provides. The riches of God's provision surround us everywhere. He is a generous, generous Father. He gives and He gives and He gives and He gives. He provides. He's faithful. He gives us health, food. He gives us friends. He gives us an economy. He gives us occupation. He gives us clothing. And all these things are not just like standard, you know, variety the same. I remember back in, back in the 80s, there was that commercial. I can't remember what it was, but it was a, a, back when the Soviet Union was in existence. It was a, a Soviet Union fashion show. Do you remember that? And they all came out. They were wearing the same gray thing, one after another. You know, and, and it was kind of real, I don't know if you remember, the commercial was really funny. That's not how God is. There's rich variety and blessing in all these things. Diversity and glory in all these things. The arts, homes, society, music, sunny days, rainy days, different seasons, different climates, all from the hand of God the provider. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, James 1 teaches us. And no human being has any excuse to ignore God and claim that He has not shown Himself. He shows Himself in a dazzling array of grace, common grace, every day. He is the Father above all fathers. And we would not be guiltless if we ignore such a gracious Father. And that's really only a small part of his provision. Because there's something even more fantastic. As great as coffee beans are, as great as all this provision is, as all these things are, and, and, and really I think every little coffee bean of God's provision has enough glory in it for us to contemplate for, an I believe, even an eternity. And so multiply that by billions and billions. There's glory in all these things. And, you guys know I have a science background. I looked at one simple little atom and there was more glory in that atom than for, uh, not only for my career, but thousands and thousands of other people never being able to come to the bottom of the glory of just hydrogen. 
So take a coffee bean. Imagine what's in a coffee bean. So there's this rich array of dazzling glory of God's blessing to us. And that's only the beginning because that's common grace to every human being that He gives. But He not only gives us common grace, He gives us in Christ saving grace. He has provided for us in Christ saving grace. As glorious as coffee beans and other things are, the provision of His Son is infinitely more glorious and fantastic. And His provision of His Son flows from His fatherhood. His provision of His Son for His children flows from His fatherhood. It flows from who He is. It flows from the core of His being. He is a Father. Therefore, He provides. He is a Father. Therefore, He provides in all these wonderful ways in creation. He is a Father. Therefore, He provides through His Son for His children. From the Father's heart, before time began, He was already a Father. And from His heart, before time began, came a plan to bless His children. To provide for His children. And from that place before time, in counsel with the Son and the Spirit, the Father, with His Father's heart, He he fellowshiped in the Trinity. And the Trinity came up with the plan. And before time began, the Father, from His Father's heart, He saw you in the year 2008 or the year whatever it was. He saw you and He set His fatherly affection on you. He said, I love this one. This one is my child from His Father's heart. And He set His affection on you and came up with a plan among the Trinity to provide for you. The Father, if you are His child, the Father loves you and has loved you from before time began. Your security as a believer does not rest in your performance. It doesn't even rest in the presence of faith, though that's an essential element for you. Your security as a believer ultimately rests in the fatherhood of God. That the Father, in His affection, set His affection on you before time began and said, this one is mine and I'm going to provide my Son for this one so that they can be forgiven. And they can be with me. And they can know my, the fellowship in the Trinity and enjoy us in blessing forever. That's where your security rests. In the fatherhood of God. In the very character of God. So ground your security, believer, brother or sister, in that. The Father has loved you. Therefore, He saved you. Therefore, you are safe. He has provided for you. He is the perfect provider. And He saw you lost and alone and in your sin and captured to what would destroy you. And from that place and that well of of glory, the eternal well of glory, He set His affection on you. We don't know why other than the Father is the Father. He set His affection on you and He provided for you the most precious commodity in all the universe the most precious commodity He could ever conceive of, His very Son, His glorious Son, for you, for me. 
in his great love. He determined with the Son and with the Spirit, freely together, that the Son would be sent to pay the debt of your sins on the cross and to live the righteous life that you could never live to earn eternal life for you and then to make this great exchange in time through faith where your sin goes to Him, you're forgiven, His righteousness is credited to you in union with Him and He now counts you as a son or daughter. He sent His Son for that purpose that you might experience eternal blessing, perfect blessing, in His all-satisfying presence. He has provided for you as the Father. To be a Father is to provide, and the ultimate Father has provided ultimately. As Paul reflects on these things in Ephesians 1, he, he explodes in praise and blessing to God this way, if you could put up Ephesians chapter 1, about this truth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption. He he said, I'm going to rescue this one and make this one my son or daughter. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Father said, I want to bless my children in my love, out of my glory. And so He sent the Son and He rescued us. And He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. The Father has given His only Son for you, the most precious commodity, He's given far more than coffee beans or friendship and food and clothing, as good as that stuff is. He's given His Son for you. The Father has given His Son for you. Hear that again. The Father has given His Son for you. The Father loves you. If you are His... He invites all who would turn from sin and believe Him to be His. To come to Him. All those are His. He has loved you. He loves you and has given you His Son. So Paul can say in Romans 8, He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? He's given His Son for His children. He'll take care of the rest. He'll give you everything you need out of His love for you. As Father, He gave the Son. He's going to take care of you. He's going to meet your needs. He's going to meet you in trial. He's going to design trials for His purposes. He will give, graciously give you all things. Do you believe that? Do you really 
believe it? My guess is those right now who are going through easy times are saying, yeah. And those who are going through some trials are saying, I don't know. But this truth and these truths must stand as a firm foundation for all of us. And if you are in a season of blessing and ease, now's the time to establish that foundation. To lay those stones and, 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 to, and to meditate on these truths and allow them to be a foundation for your life so when the trials come, the foundation will be there and you'll know this is true. The Father loves me no matter what I might, might think right now in my difficulty, no matter how it may feel right now, I know this is true. For the Scriptures say it, the Spirit has revealed it, God has been consistent in testifying to it, so I'm going to stand on it right now, even though I may not feel like it. Now, there are reasons, different reasons why we can struggle to believe it. Sometimes it's the temptation of circumstances. Sometimes we can have a hard time grasping that the Father really loves us and the Father has really given everything for us and He's going to be faithful. Sometimes we struggle with that because maybe our earthly fathers weren't like that. Maybe our earthly fathers were not providers. Or maybe they were providers, but they were unloving, unfaithful providers. Maybe there was some glitch, some fault, some sin. Maybe there was even serious abuse. And so we can perhaps struggle to believe that God is this way because of our earthly fathers. Well, the reality is, is that's true for every single one of us. Anybody here have a perfect earthly father? who provided everything perfectly? No. None of us, all of us had a father who blessed us in many ways. Bare minimum, he blessed us with life. But probably more than that. But also, fell short. And so, we may have had multiple experiences with our fathers, and some of us may have had very difficult fathers, stepfathers, who failed us miserably. But all of us have one solution. All of us have one Father, God the Father. And He is our Heavenly Father. And there's the same solution for all of us, no matter what our background. So part of growing in our understanding of the fatherhood of God is, is no longer referencing our earthly father. Being able to say thank you for our earthly father, thank you for the blessings, I forgive him for his failures. And now my reference point is turning to my Heavenly Father. This is my ultimate Father. This is my Heavenly Father. And the Word of God says He is this way. And the Word of God says that my Heavenly Father has provided His Son for me, for my forgiveness, so that I could have eternal fellowship with Him. And that is true. And I'm going to stand on that. And my earthly Father promises to provide everything I need in addition, everything that is good for me, for my life. And so standing on that truth, that solution is the same no matter what this Father looked like. This solution is the same. It's the same Father, the same truth, and the same Holy Spirit that comes and meets us as we encounter that truth. And it's the Lord's desire, I think clearly from Scripture, that we experience the fatherhood of God. That we not only know it to be true in our minds, but we experience
experience what it is to know him and to rest in him as our Father. Romans 8. Paul talks about this. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit comes for every believer. And it is to be our experience, and it is to be our ongoing experience that we look at our Heavenly Father and we say, Abba, Father, my Father, my King, my Redeemer, my provider, who loves me. Galatians 4, And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Lord wants us to experience His fatherhood. And it is my prayer in preparation, and it is my prayer, even as we go through this message, that you would encounter God as Father, that you would experience His fatherhood. That it wouldn't just be a bunch of ideas and truths, but it would be the living God saying, I am your Heavenly Father. I am all these things. And you are my daughter. You are my son. Come and be mine. That you would find your life in Him. You can't find your life in your earthly father as good as He may have been. We're meant to find our life in our Heavenly Father. and It's the Spirit's job to take the truth of God, these truths, and apply them to our hearts that we might say, Abba, Father. Sometimes we struggle to believe He's a good Father because we can take for granted the blessings that we have. If we can be like Baruch Saul, and we can get very used to what we get. And so we kind of forget how good He is. We can take our salvation for granted. We can just assume, yeah, I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven, and just kind of take it for granted. And there's something that goes on in all of us. I know it goes on in my own heart. Where I, I no longer appreciate my Heavenly Father and what it means to have Him as my Father because I've taken it for granted. And there's something I think that goes on. There's, a, there's a, an equation that goes on in our lives that, that what happens is as we experience blessings from God, and they might be physical, material blessings, and then we experience the blessing of our salvation, we establish a new reference point. So, zero used to be over here, and now I've been blessed with a million blessings in Christ. It's actually, in Christ I have infinite blessings. But let's just say it's a million blessings. What happens as we, maybe the first day we come to Christ, we're aware of that, we wow, this is so great. But over time, and, and this, we can go through ups and downs in this, we start to move our reference point over to a million. And that becomes our reference point. And now when we, when we move it all in the left direction, so we have all these infinite blessings in Christ, we have, we have physical provision, now whenever we move this way, we lose something, we now think it's terrible. We've, gone, we're, we've lost what we had. And we focus on the glass being 99.99999% full, or 0.00 whatever, one empty. We're more aware of the empty drop than the full. And let me suggest to my own soul and to us solutions for this. First, we must remind ourselves that the reference point is not a million blessings. Actually, it's not even zero. Because if I understand the Scriptures right, what we deserve is more something like 
negative infinity. It's more something less, much lesser than zero because we all in our sin have rebelled against the Father. And He's been gloriously gracious to us again and again. And we have said, no, I don't want anything to do with you. I want your stuff, but I don't want you. And in our rebellion, we have earned ourselves eternal separation from the Father. And that's what hell is. Eternal life apart from Him. Experiencing the consequences and the torture of exile from God. So the reference point is not even zero. It's negative infinity. And we must remind ourselves of that truth again and again. So I like those who say, when you ask them how you're doing, ask somebody how they're doing, they say, better than I deserve. That's just a great way to think. It's always better than I deserve. Because what I deserve is somewhere on negative infinity. So then, as you start to recognize your blessings, they start, wow, just to have one blessing, just to have a day to breathe and be alive is wonderful. Never mind now, I start to add all these other things. And then on top of that, I add Christ, who is an infinite blessing. Eternal life with Him. Forgiveness with Him. So now my reference point is negative infinity and I have positive infinity and so that starts to change my mindset. And I start to realize, my God is good. He's been good to me. He's my Father. I hope that makes sense. I hope that serves you. The Father has been gracious. and He wants us to regularly walk with hearts full of gratitude. We got a brand new lawnmower the other day. And it was one of those one million and one blessings. It was a great deal. It was a $600 lawnmower. And we got it for a fraction of that cost. And we needed a new lawnmower. And it was so beautiful. And it, had a, it was just perfectly clean. And it had a, an electric ignition. I've never had a lawnmower with an electric ignition. It was amazing. Um, I, it, sorry, but I mean, it was just kind of cool to be able to go and start it right up with the key. And it was beautiful. It ran great. It looked great. And, and we were just so happy to have this lawnmower. And, and I thought, I told the kids, guys, take care of this because this is what I'm going to use when I'm an old man. I want to have this thing because it's an automatic drive. You know, I'm going to need it when I'm, when I'm older. And uh, so take care of this. And just thinking, for, you know, we'll have this for 30 years. Well, the next day, the, uh, through a series of circumstances, the lawnmower broke. And we couldn't start it. And I, and it, I mean, and I know a little bit about engines, not a whole lot, but there was nothing I could do. It was gone. And we had to take it to the shop on the next day. We had just got it. And our temptation was to think about this loss of this one blessing and to live in reference to that. Oh no, the lawnmower doesn't work. Life is terrible. God, why are you doing this to me? Instead of recognizing just all the blessings we have. And God's going to take care of the lawnmower. That's how ridiculous. It's a Baruch assault moment, you know. I want an Oompa Loompa and I want it now. Father, you've taken the Oompa Loompa from me. So as we, as we remember His blessings, as we live in light of His provision, we understand Him as Father and we enjoy that and we're blessed. So He is provider. He, ha- he is also overseer. I need to move a little faster now. Uh, the Lord's Prayer continues. Our Father in heaven, the beginning, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only is the fatherhood of God about His provision, but it's also about His rule and reign. He's a Father. Therefore, He rules over things. 
He isn't merely a provider, though He is such an incredible provider, but He rules over His provision. He's the King. And it's His prerogative to expect those whom He blesses to respond to Him. We all owe God everything. Because He's given us everything. And He he doesn't ask to be a tyrant, to make us servile slaves groveling under His feet. He asks us to submit to His glorious and wise rule. He is good. And we learned about last week, He's a good shepherd. And God the Son. And He comes and He, He rules over all things. All things are from Him, the Scripture says, and they are for Him as well. He is the ruler. God the Father in the, in the Trinity is the ultimate ruler. Even in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, though they are equal, co-equal with God the Father in every way and in terms of essence, who they are, fully God, they are submitted under His rule. So God the Father rules over the Son and the Spirit. And they submit to Him. We as a church, we, we are Gospel-centered uh, self-consciously gospel-centered. We are Christ-centered. And that's so important, but that's not the whole story. We are Christ-centered for the ultimate purpose of glorifying the Father. For that's the Father's desire, that He would send the Son, and through the Son, and through the Son's life and death, His atonement, His resurrection, His return, and unveiling all of all the Father's plan, the Father would be glorified. And so Scripture teaches us, 1 Corinthians 15, it says... Speaking of Christ, when He rules and reigns, it says, when all things are subjected to Him, that being Christ, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to Him who put all things in subjection under Him, that God may be all in all. The Son Himself is reigning now and will return and finish His reign, and then He will say, Father, all for You. And we all will worship the Father and enjoy Him and come under His reign gladly as the ruler of all. He is the overseer, the ruler And we are to trust Him and to submit to Him. He's sovereign. He rules over all things. He has a plan. God has a plan for all things. Every single thing that happens is under the sovereign rule of God. Every single thing. Every little atom doing its thing, every little blessing, every little trial is under the Father's plan. He is the ruler. He's the overseer. And He's working His kingdom reign through His Son in all things. And we are, as His children are to pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, may Your plan happen. May Your kingdom come. May You extend Your reign. May Your will be done. And sometimes the working of the kingdom and extension of the reign is through mercy and love and justice and blessings. Sometimes it's through suffering, deprivation, weakness, humiliation. The kingdom extends both ways. The Son came and he, and he brought the kingdom and people got healed. The Son came, He brought the kingdom and He died. He suffered and died on the cross. So He calls us, the Father calls us to come under His reign and to experience great blessing and foretaste of the bliss of heaven as well as trials and fellowship in the sufferings of Christ under His reign. He has a plan And all things are under His hand. And He reigns over them. This is the good news as His children, as our Heavenly Father. He reigns over all things for your very, very 
very best. Every single circumstance, every single thing in your life is perfectly arranged by the Father for your very, very best and for His glory. He's sovereign in that way. So Paul can say in 1 Corinthians 3, all things are yours because the Father arranges all things for us, for our good. If you could put up the quote, John, from G.C. Burkhauer. He says, God's providence is not only a matter of divine invincibility and power, but of the invincibility and power of His love. This is the comfort that we stand at the disposal of a merciful Heavenly Father to whom we can with confidence abandon ourselves. He makes an eternal covenant of grace with us in His Son and adopts us for His children and heirs and therefore will provide us with every good thing and avert all evil or turn it into profit. What a wonderful way to express these truths. That's life for you. Your Father reigns over all things. And He's provided for you. And He's working out His plan perfectly for you and through you. The Father loves you. The Father is over your life. Can you trust Him? Can you follow Him? So He oversees. He provides. He oversees. And He's personal as well. God is personal. In the Lord's Prayer, we're addressing Him as a person. We're speaking to the eternal deity, God the Father, the infinite, glorious, transcendent One as a person. We're talking to a person and asking a person to do these things. He is not this distant deity. He's not somebody that just wound up the clock of the universe, set it on the shelf, and took a long nap. He's personal. It's amazing. I mean, He could have been like that. But He's not. He's personal. He's relational. At the very core of who He is, He is a relational God. The Trinity has always existed. It wasn't like formed at some point. It is God. We don't understand it all. Three persons, one God. We don't get it. I don't know if we ever will get it, but it is what it is. And this Trinity related from eternity past and will relate forever. He's relational. And so His creation is relational. Meant to be relational. He is personal and relational. He's intensely personal. Never do you see in Scripture a God who is not intensely personal. He addresses people. He addresses them by name. He works through specific people. He works through nations, but through people, through persons. Amazing. So as a father, He is personal. He wants us to know Him personally. Like Christ knew Him. John 17, listen to Jesus' prayer. Listen to Him speaking personally to His Father in this wonderful prayer. And now, Father, glorify Me in Your own presence with the glory that I had with You before the world existed. In verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom You have given Me may be with Me where I am to see My glory that You have given Me because You love Me before the foundation of the world. The Son knows the Father personally. The Father knows the Son. They know the Spirit personally. And then the amazing thing is that through the work of the Son and the work of the Spirit under the plan of the Father, He says, I want you guys to be part of this relationship. 
you and I, as sons and daughters, get to be part of the eternal relationship of the Trinity. And, and just as the Father loves the Son, He loves us. Those are the words that Jesus uses. And just as they know each other, we are to enter into that knowing and that relationship as well. God is intensely personal and He invites us as a Father to come and be with Him. To know Him. To experience Him. To walk with Him. He wants us to be part of the family. The band could come up as we close. His purpose is to introduce us to the wonderful relationship. Jesus' purpose is to introduce us into the wonderful relationship He has with the Father. I, we live in Haverhill currently. I love Haverhill. I love it. It has, a, it has a mixture of everything. Farm, suburbs, city. It's a great place. I love Haverhill. One of my favorite places. I'm very glad to be there. I'm not from Haverhill. I'm not a Haverhillite. I'm not a native. Um, I, I'm not sure where I'm a native of. I was born in Boston. lived in Chelmsford. lived grew up in Wellesley. But my wife is a native of Haverhill. She grew, the, grew up there. And her family is there. And she has a large family, uh, Fantini bread fame family, six brothers, a sister, a large, loving, extended family. It's a great family. Until I was 23 years old, I didn't really know the family. I wasn't part of the extended family. It's a great family. I'm so glad I'm part of it. But through Peg, through marriage, now I'm part of of the Fantini family, and I feel like an honorary Haverlite as part of them. I'm glad to be part of this family. Jesus is the only full-blooded, ultimate Son of the Father. The one that deserves the full rights as a son. The one who has obeyed the Father always, perfectly. The one whom the Father could look at and say, This is the one with whom I am well pleased. He never disobeyed, never disappointed the Father. There's been perfect fellowship. And He went to the cross because the Father desired Him to do that. Lived the perfect life, died the death we deserve, rose again. Welcome back to the Father in great joy. But now, through the Son, through faith in Jesus, He says, Welcome to the family. Welcome, son and daughter. Because of my son, but welcome to my family. I want you to experience what it's like to be part of this eternal family. That's part of what the fatherhood of God is about. He wants us to come in and to know Him as provider, know Him as ruler, to know Him personally, to experience Him. So I just want to extend an invitation this Father's Day to enjoy the very best Father there ever was and ever will be and to find your life in Him. If you do not yet know Him, turn away from your sin. Run away from that stuff. Run to Jesus. Receive what He's done for you. Know forgiveness. And know what it is to be a member of the family. If you do know the Lord, 
run to the Father once again. It's my prayer that by the power of the Spirit, you will experience the joy of the fatherhood of God. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, Father, for who you are. And I pray, Lord God, that you would send the Spirit amongst us, Lord, because we need help. Lord, there are many obstacles to us experiencing your fatherhood, and we ask you to forgive us, and we ask you, Lord, to do battle against the things, and that you would come and grant us the ability to comprehend and experience what it is to know you as our Father, to rest in your fatherhood, to say, Abba, Father, even today, O God, would you come, Holy Spirit, in power and do this, even as we worship, even as we fellowship today, just relax today, come and minister the fatherhood of God through the truth of God, for the glory of God, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I can stand up.